I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. Welcome. And this is The Mutant Ages, a show where we watch every adaptation of the X-Men. And we are back to watching adaptations of the X-Men again. Animated ones. Season 4, X-Men, X-Men Evolution, Evolution, folks. We're going to blow right through it. Here we go. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. gonna blow through it quick do you want to yeah, do you want to let our, our listeners know why we're gonna blow through it so quickly well i will i will so much to our listeners delight uh-huh. um after a few weeks a few weeks a few months <laughs> hiatus from doing this we are returning to being a weekly podcast again why are we doing that because we like <laughs> because to torture Ryan ourselves thought about it and he was like I want to go weekly again. Even though Ryan was the one who was like, I want to go bi-weekly. It was my suggested. I, you know, I started a new job. I was really overwhelmed. Yeah. You, yeah. No, I understand that. I, I mean, I, it's, it's also like in theory, in theory, this show is an hour long episode every week. In theory, we can do that. Is it actually an hour and a half most of the time? Right. Yes. Well, but- the point is that we're going to go back to being <laughs> weekly because I, I mean, I feel like it's the right decision for us. And especially with everything that the Disney and MCU are planning right now for X-Men. Mm-hmm. We're trying to keep up. We're trying to keep up with how much X-Men is being doled out. We're trying to finish up what we can. Yeah, I think before. we. I really do feel like the X-Men will drop into the MCU and then suddenly we will be inundated with X-Men content. Well, so we want to try to we want to review the new cartoon when it comes out, which I know isn't for another year. But of course, we want to finish this show. We want to watch Wolverine and the X-Men. We and have a whole who knows like, what list happens after that. Uh, maybe right. We watch the anime next. I don't know. We'll see where we are in the canon, but we want to try to keep up with new X-Men stuff as it's coming out so that we can be like an actual live recap show, which honestly went five years ago when we launched this show and we were just watching Pride of the X-Men. And Xavier is spinning around in his chair. Yeah, like when we launched this show, we were not like, boy, we're going to be watching a new version of X-Men, the animated series every week. That is not at all what we expected oh, yeah. five years ago. I mean, we fantasized about it. We definitely like threw sure, that but, out but there. But I didn't think I didn't think that would happen. Yeah, I didn't think honestly. it would manifest either. Um, so I just kind of was like, yeah, this will be a fun thing Ryan and I do uh, for the rest of our lives. But like, who knows? <laughs> but now, now though, we are in a situation where we are trying to continue to review these older cartoons, which we're really enjoying. But we're about to have new cartoons and new movies, and let's be honest, probably TV shows. Like, we're right. probably going to have a whole lot of stuff to be thinking about. So we're just kind of we're just in it. We're just doing it re- weekly. I I've I had already sort of adapted to like editing 
recording an app a week, editing it every week and just kind of being like, this is my schedule. So I was fine with this and Ryan wants to go back to it and I'm excited about it. So I, it's too. all good. We're going weekly again. I'm ready to do Thank this. you for sticking with us for the past few months where we went bi-weekly. I know Ryan appreciated having the extra time. I did. Thank you. And the other much less exciting, but still actually pretty exciting announcement that we have is that we're on Spotify now. And we are. It took two seconds to sign up. And I am a little embarrassed that we didn't do it earlier. I don't, I don't think it was easy before. I, I don't know how recently that changed. Five years ago when we launched this show, podcasts were not on Spotify and Spotify like wouldn't let me submit the show back then because it said our episodes were too long can i just honestly fuck you (laughs) (laughs) why are you so judgmental (laughs) okay so i have to share how i found out is that i was visiting my friend katie hunt who is not the katie on this show podcast no yeah it's katie k-a-t-y first of all totally different katie right so she has another podcast called Convention Conventional. I've guessed it on there a couple times. It, it, she talks to people one on one about their like cosplayer drama and stories. And just like conventions, and it's really good. It's I love it. But I was just hanging out with her, not doing that because I was visiting over my holiday break. She pulls it up on Spotify. I'm like, damn girl, you're already on Spotify. She's like, yeah, I just like put in the link on Podbean. Yeah, it took one second, and I was yeah. like, what are you even saying? <laughs> Well, because now Spotify has become like this huge like juggernaut of podcasts and they purchase podcasts at this point. Like Spotify has fully inundated itself with podcasts. No, it is. I'm going to follow this follow this up and say that the podcast is now going to appear on Facebook, too, because they added an RSS RSS feed option to the Facebook yes, page. They so did. if you follow the Mutant Ages on Facebook and if you aren't already, you should because you usually get sexy pictures of Wolverine there. Mm-hmm. You could do that and also <laughs> catch the I don't know why you would do this. Watch, listen to the podcast over there, like as opposed to a like podcast listening app. But you can. I mean, I I don't know if people are going to discover it that way. We'll see. All these different platforms are adding podcasts, and also I finally made the logo updated in iTunes. So if you're listening on iTunes and you're like, oh wow, new logo, it's not new. It's That's a new been year. the logo for year. literal years. iTunes wouldn't let me update it until I literally contacted them and they fixed it. So you know what? 2022, everything's coming up mutant ages. <laughs> We're going back to weekly. We're finally a on platforms that have been around for years we're finally <laughs> updating our logo that has also been around for years oh we're famous now we're famous everybody's talking about us hugh jackman is calling us and and just desperate to be on the show and we can't make time for him hugh jackman is like already in my bed i don't even know how that happened but i'm not <laughs> complaining also chris evans is here wow. uh, so cool. <laughs> it's like the all i'm having like the mcu lineup all right so i was also going to follow up and say that we previously released the Wolverine, which is a fantastic episode, and I hope you all had a chance to listen to it with uh, Todd right. on there. And afterwards, Mandy and I have decided that any future movie <laughs> review we're going to do are now going to be broken up in two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, because it takes me a very long time to edit a three-hour show. And record. And record. And watch. And record. And watch the movie. Uh, that is like over... I don't even want to talk about how many hours of work that is. Um, It's fine. We love you. Basically, if we end up putting out a three-hour episode, we're going to divide it in half. We're going to try to keep the episodes an hour and a half or less because I need to have at least some of a life. Not that much. I, I mean, I'm not. Let's not get crazy here, but uh, you know. Anyway, don't worry about all that. Let's talk about let's talk about X Men Evolution, shall we? Let's talk about season four. We, we watched the first. We episode. are here for season four, and we'll well, I guess previously on X Men Evolution. <laughs> all right, so. As we all know, Apocalypse is now here as established by every character in X-Men Evolution going to Apocalypse 
Sphinx Zelda dungeon. Yeah, although that isn't where he was, funnily enough. I know he wasn't there. He was up in the like mountains somewhere where Yeah, of Tibet, I want to say. Right. Like near Everest, but not on Everest. He was on a different mountain. And then in this episode, in this episode, he's gonna be in Mexico on some ancient Mayan ruins. Right. So it's basically like every cool ancient place that you can think of, Apocalypse has a teleportation device there, and he's just blipping around the world like dee like Carmen Sandiegoing around. Oh, I was going to be like, <laughs> Apocalypse woke up and he's like, it's really weird how we just don't have like warp points like on a map, like, you know, in a video game. Yeah, like basically he was like, I am going to go ahead and introduce like fast travel to the X-Men because they haven't had it this whole time and they've been having to ride their jet everywhere. I got fast travel. I can go anywhere I want. Yeah. So he's... That's one of his main powers is fast travel. I mean, that's all you really need to know other than that Rogue was controlled by Mesmero and manipulated by Mystique to yes. go to Apocalypse's tomb after she stole everyone's powers again, after she got all that erased from her brain like two episodes before that. So mm-hmm. she's back where she was before and Mystique uh, opened the door that to the room of Apocalypse, which turned her into stone, which we find yes. out in this episode is her morphine ability used against her. That's and right. then Rogue is forced by Mesmero to go over to Apocalypse's tomb or his coffin, his like little Dracula coffin and Apocalypse grabs Rogue. And there's this like reverse situation where Apocalypse sucks all the personalities and energy out of Rogue mm-hmm. and into himself. Yeah, maybe the powers, but that is never clear. We'll never know. I mean, he has a lot of powers in this episode. He does he appear does. to have telekinesis in this. He does have that, but I don't know. He doesn't seem to express any other powers that Rogue had touched or no, absorbed. But he also so. doesn't really seem to need all of them because he's so powerful in this episode that he's just kind of like. Eh. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say Apocalypse's one scene in this. He was actually kind of badass. I was he like, was, he was. I mean, I kind of get. I kind of get why people like this version of him. Oh, and the also also what's important to say is Xavier's line about how Apocalypse is trying to turn all of humans into mutants is repeated in the previously on the X Men in this episode. And I was like, are they sticking with this as his motivation? Like, I don't know because they're bringing it up again and. I'm just baffled because I'm like, that's a cool motivation. Why is everyone mad at this guy? (laughs) (laughs) What's the problem here? I don't know. I feel like this is a plot hole that is never going to be addressed. Well, of course, they don't have time. But I feel like in this episode, sadly, Magneto is back to being his stupid self in this episode, which I was like legit sad about that Magneto goes back to being a little brat again, where he's like, I'm mad and I don't have motivations that make sense. I'm just mad all the time. And I was like, oh, I missed you being a cool badass who was like kind of dating Xavier again. Um, And meanwhile, Apocalypse has kind of a sick motivation. <laughs> I was like, wow, do I like Apocalypse now? Like the thing is that like, I think X-Men the animated series a fantastic show and i like that great version show. of apocalypse because he's so goofy he's hilarious, but like, and i still love the time the time travel like ted talk that he gives like i still laugh thinking about the fucking clocks i do too. I mean, like, like i don't i don't it is me. funny it is funny that he is insane on that show and just like giving bizarre monologues to people but he is a completely different character you know right. like he, i agree he's very different and in this show he's kind of like mysterious and and yes we will admit he's a little badass so i will see i will see what i think of him in the rest of season four maybe i kind of yeah. like this version i do too i, I do too i don't know so anyway we ready to we ready to yeah. get into this so we're about to dive into yet another one of my favorite episodes of cartoon tv this show really good is good stuff um this episode is a new season and 
I, I don't think like the animation studio changed, but the animation definitely changed in a good way where, you know, when X-Men, the animated series went into season five and they were forced to do this like really dopey, this weird, like cartoony. Play-Doh kind of animation. Yeah, and it, like they were also forced to tell like happier stories, which resulted in episodes like Jubilee's fairy tale theater, which we did enjoy, but like yeah. it was a lot, it was, it was very goofy. watered down was after goofy. the first four seasons. This yep. season has like an animation change that is darker and depicts i almost feel like it's when avatar was around and they were i I don't think avatar was around yet but i think the animation studio was starting to dabble in that uh animation choice of really animating people's faces and facial expressions to Mm -hmm. convey emotion in a way that hadn't been before and that's sort of what's happening here because the emotions are really well drawn in this like in a really fantastic way we've we've definitely complimented that before so i i don't know if that's actually a true difference but i feel like it's 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 cleaner now i don't know it's or the tone is darker i'm not sure but i gotta say that after watching this episode it is very clear to me why why the show got canceled and it's unfortunate (laughs) because i feel like this is the same problem that x-men the animated series also faced right where they had these four seasons which were a little bit goofier because it was the 90s but it was still some really dark intense political shit i mean like morph died in the season opening of uh x-men the animated series yeah they really did want to bring it in that show right and so they they did that as much as they could until eventually the studios were like no you have to make it more for children and i don't know like make it goofier make it more child oriented it's too dark and so Mm -hmm. they did it and it ruined that show um x-men evolution kind of had a same route where it was a little dark in the first season got a little darker in the second season third season got really fucking dark fourth season even darker than that and they, i think it's admiral they they chose to just stick to their guns and be like no we're telling like an adult story here and we're gonna keep doing this and it mm-hmm. unfortunately i think led to their demise as a tv show because people were like yeah. not watching it like children were not watching it also, Wolverine and the X-Men couldn't even get past season one because it was just only a serious show. And here's the thing is that I think the issue lies in the fact that the X-Men, while impressive that we keep on creating cartoons where kids can understand um, political, like mar- and mar- marginalization on a really base level, which I think X-Men, the animated series also did really well. Um I mean, the X-Men are just not for children, right? Like, it's just, I mean, yeah, I think it's I mean, important to hear point, these stories, but yeah. I feel like... I feel like there's no way to tell the stories without it advancing into the actual dark shit that comes alongside marginalization. Yeah, and, like and what also that abuse. Does. Like this episode is about yeah. that, but also, but that I think that also expands into marginalization. It does. Though. It does. It absolutely does. I mean, in this case, it's about Mystique trying to protect Rogue and harming her a lot in that form of protection, and that uh, yeah. being something that Rogue has to navigate i mean it's It's really dark shit and i think i think just real quick i think teen titans and um young justice also face this same problem because it was the same idea where it's like though because i've recently rewatched teen titans and this this specific episode is so much darker than anything teen titans was capable of doing but not young justice and i do feel like young i think teen titans young justice came came out later okay wait can you believe that teen titans like got shut down because they were like this show's too dark and it's like well, that's why like, this show got shut down, though, you know, like this yeah. show, I think, was too dark and also too predicated upon assuming the viewer had seen every episode. Those are its two nails in the coffin. I'm actually 90 percent certain that Batman, the animated series and Gargoyles also both face this because Batman, yeah. the animated series last oh, yeah. season also had an animation change, but it was still like 
this it was still like Bruce Tim, so he just redesigned everything to be like more cartoony. But originally, it was very adult and dark. And the last season of Gargoyles, the Goliath Chronicles, that the creators are like, yeah, this doesn't even we don't even consider it canon because it's like so yeah like dumbed down. Well, well this was the issue was that car- a lot of cartoons. I mean, this is like part of the time period where anime was starting to come to the West, like Cowboy Bebop was airing on Adult Swim. People were starting to be like, oh, you can make cartoons and adults will actually watch them. But that was like the very beginning of the 2000s. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like now where we had like six seasons of Steven Universe that actually got to finish out their story. And we're like, right. And we're allowed to be dark despite being a children's show. But also just we have cartoons that are literally for adults. Like we have Venture Brothers, which is not a kid's show at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just we live in a different world now. But X-Men Evolution was before its time, I think. Like, it wanted to do something. I think X-Men the Animated Series was also. I think all the X-Men shows were. Anyway, we could talk about this for hours. Let's talk about the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico, shall we? Okay, yeah, so we are in Mexico. (laughs) Uh, This is where I was looking up a bunch of uh, history about um, ancient Mayan civilization in ancient Egypt, which, by the way, very fun Google search, if any of the listeners care to do it. Both of these civilizations were around, not at the exact same time, but like there was a little overlap. And also, they both made pyramids and yet didn't interact with each other. I just think that's cool. And that is the kind of thing that other people writing science fiction think is cool and have for many years. Yeah, they've been like, oh, aliens did this, which yeah, I'm like... Which I do not think that, <laughs> for what it's worth. I don't think that... I don't either. I, I think, think I think people say that in racist ways where they're like how could these ancient non-white civilizations have created pyramids uh they had a lot of technology they could figure out a lot of shit including how to build really cool buildings (laughs) but i do understand why they have these cool ass looking pyramids and they want apocalypse to be there and be like a part of oh yeah sure because it's easier okay also i have to share this story it's really short but like there was one time with this guy i was dating like a few years ago and he was like so stupid he was like high as fuck and he was like trying to show me stuff he's like watch this and he drew a pyramid and then he drew like the mayan temple and then drew a period over it he's like it's the same i was like are you really (laughs) just showing me this because like I will let you know that I've been well aware that those are the same shapes and you are not the I'm first sorry, person I'm to like figure this coughing. out. It's like, okay, yeah, have you figured out that both of these civilizations created pyramids? Do you think maybe it's just that there's something about humans that looks at a pyramid and is like, that's a fucking cool shape. Do you think maybe it's just that? Because uh, that might I mean, like, just be something that transcends. Also based on what you could like build with the materials that you have. Yeah, there's only so many things. Yeah, anyway, whatever. So so the apocalypse is cool teleportation device lands on a platform and then the platform starts shaking and it and a pyramid rises up out of the ground like a super high tech cyberpunk looking pyramid rises up out of the ground and the very tip of the pyramid is the teleporter it's cool it looks neat apocalypse comes out he's all charged up with lightning and then he creates a massive dragon ball z attack with like this expanding orb like literally it looks like dbz like he pulls out like the fucking dome from the simpsons movie and just drops it on the temple and he's like there we go yup and he's like and now I'm done moving in <laughs> meanwhile Link's, uh, Link's out there just standing there and be like how do I get in and Nobby's like you have to go over here and like get this fucking like hook shot and go up there and like blah 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 I think blah. you meant to say Link is like huh okay well link Link, i did say that link didn't say anything pretty much it was nobby just being like giving a whole fucking monologue oh my god okay okay we're joking but like that is kind of what happens in the episode honestly like a lot of characters show up at the dome and they're like how do we get in (gasps) 
<laughs> anyway. Okay. Then it's opening credits. Opening credits, and then we go back to Egypt, and then this random guy goes to the Sphinx. I was annoyed by this at first because I was like, Egyptians don't worship the Sphinx anymore. This is the modern day, and we're showing a guy going to the Sphinx and worshiping it. What the fuck is the show saying? But that's not what it's saying. Maddie in the past needed to calm down. <laughs> this guy is worshiping Apocalypse. Yeah. So there is apparently some small cult of locals who knows that Apocalypse is coming back. How they know that? We will never know because no one can figure it out. But anyway, the guy shows up at the Sphinx and he's worshiping it. Gambit sexily walks out of the staircase after it yeah. crashes open. I love it. He just like casually walks out. He's like, what's up, mon ami? Yeah, it's funny. He's like, hello, uh, I've been picking up you boys all morning. And the guy's like screaming and being like, where the fuck did you come from? And Gambit just grabs him and drags him underground and is like, let's have a chat share. Okay, it's really funny because the dude goes, apocalypse? And Gambit's like, no but that is the magic word mon ami yes. and then the guy just like screams and runs away and gambit sighs annoyed and throws yeah. the staff at the <laughs> well because it turns out he again has been doing this all morning like this is what we find out is that gambit has been kidnapping these guys and interrogating them okay can i just say that gambit on x-men evolution really good portrayal of gambit like in every episode i've seen him in yes. he's like really well done i love it and also the voice actor is finally back to doing the accent again in this episode and doing pretty well at it i would say he's I he's agree. trying he's trying um so i loved i loved gambit in this scene i loved gambit in every scene of this episode that he's in i love gambit on this show he's great i just think he's good he's bringing the sex appeal and he's also bringing just like a little bit of like tired to be there that i feel like is also true of gambit where he's kind of okay, like that is so funny i'm about to defect from the brotherhood like three days from now but i'm having a little <laughs> bit of fun for now like that is gambit's energy and i'm really enjoying it he's also bringing the soul patch back from the 90s oh my god is he i don't <laughs> need that to come back anyway so inside the sphinx colossus is moving boxes aka destroying stuff for truly no reason i did think that oh, was funny I mean, also pyrus just yes! walking through rooms with his flames out which i think he was using to see but really it just looked stupid and i was like pyro what are you doing now okay but also why is colossus doing that like i was just like colossus what are you doing like is he trying to destroy the temple he's just walking through walls i don't know so anyway those two guys are in the background so gambit walks in with the egyptian guy he kidnapped and brings him to magneto and magneto grabs him and is interrogating him and is like tell me about apocalypse and then mastermind is here now so mastermind has been brought like, all where the, the fuck fucking was he all this time? to the Sphinx. Like, I don't know. What, he was just like hanging out at the base until just chilling. A, like, Magneto was like, hey, can you come on over to Egypt real quick? I need you to like brainwash some dudes. And, Poor like, mastermind. Like, I feel like he had a whole life of like gender bending in Venice and like then Magneto kidnapped him and was like, no, you have to do my stupid bullshit forever now. And what we've learned in this episode is that Magneto is just kind of a He's bitch. got all these people <laughs> yeah, working for him, but like they don't want to work for him because be he's there. threatened them in some way except gambit seems like kind of okay with magneto in a way that i thought was a little cute like gambit is kind of like oh daddy you are so whiny <laughs> like he's sort of putting up with it i feel like gambit like knows that if he sticks around with magneto like it might pay off yeah yeah i think that magneto thinks that gambit's in his control and gambit's actually not the one all. in control yeah. where gambit's like no 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 i'm playing the cards here not you i could see them sleeping together just as an aside okay well that's not hard to imagine because gambit will fuck anything that has a hole like oh absolutely and Magneto is like pissed off again and is like not willing to hang out with anyone and Gambit is like oh, 
bitch. Like, don't worry about it. Like, just uh, yeah. just shut your pretty little mouth. So anyway, or use it for something else. The two of them are kind of hanging out, and Magneto hates all the rest of his brotherhood for now. He's being very pissed off. So he orders Mastermind to look into this guy's memories and not alter them. Just check him out. I didn't know this was like Mastermind's power. I thought he just cast illusions, but whatever. I didn't either, and I googled it because I was like, what the fuck is happening? So Mastermind <laughs> has the ability to alter people's memories, which we know. We've seen him do that on this show. And so I was kind of like, okay, I guess since he can alter people's memories, it makes sense that he'd be able to see people's memories ahead of time so that he knows what he's altering. There's a lot of my memories happening here. There is. So anyway, this guy doesn't know anything about Apocalypse. So they they toss this guy out of the Sphinx again because he's useless to them. So Magneto and Gambit are walking down a hallway together, just kind of rapping about what they do and don't know. And Gambit is like sort of mid monologue. And he's like, same old story. Prophecy about an ancient warrior is going to return one day to rule the land, blah, blah, blah. And Magneto stomps off and he's like, Fuck no. Nobody's going to rule the land except me. I'm mad. <laughs> and like, it's funny because Gambit's just like rolling his eyes and shaking his head like, oh, honey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, this next scene. <sighs> I was like, this, this next scene is like, this is the only scene I didn't enjoy, but like, I kind of found humor in it. But so it's like Xavier yeah. sitting in Cerebro and being like, throwing the helmet around being like, I can't find Apocalypse anywhere. Mm-hmm. And Beast is like, well, I've checked Reddit and I haven't seen anything <laughs> on there either. And I was like, <laughs> nobody's posting about it yeah i mean that's like (laughs) beast is like um i can't help but think he's got quite an agenda after five thousand years of just being asleep and like stuck in a box and xavier is like i believe the key to that agenda is the eye of ages and like oh my god what what is he even saying what is that (laughs) ryan what is the eye of ages xavier is just like he's like that guy in all the zelda games that just happens to know all this important information that but he's like sitting in like a house somewhere and you walk in and you have to ask yeah that but also he doesn't even give you a good item like at least in the zelda games that guy would like give you something cool and like help you xavier's just like i don't really know anything except i secretly do except it's not useful except it is and i thought about it for two more I seconds and know. i realized i did know everything and i didn't tell you xavier on this show is making me fucking crazy like as each i mean he was he was kind of irritating season t- one season two i was like no he's getting really irritating in season three i just wanted to punch him this now we're in season four it's this like is awful full on like the professor xavier we know and love where he's just a giant asshole like i yes. don't know and it's like he's he's screaming at beast that he doesn't know where anything is and then literally two seconds later he's like i think it has to do with the eye of ages this big rock he was just saying shit and it's like what is that what is that and xavier's like i don't know what it is or where it is or how it works but i do know that it's key to all of this and beast is just kind of shrugging if i hold it i can see things in the room that i couldn't see in the room before sure why not so then xavier finally gets around to asking a pretty important question which is how are the students faring with this pressure and beast just goes you know kids they always find a way to blow off steam which is absolutely to, true by the way this cut is to how, bobby and this sam is how kids would react to this scenario well, i know i mean that's exactly what we did oh absolutely 9-11 happened and we were absolutely filming like demon at that time and it was just like what Whatever. like we're all gonna die anyway so these kids um are playing basketball and roberto's in the background playing soccer and like literally turning the basketball into fireballs and almost murdering each other like in the driveway like I mean, that's like the whole thing also bobby is riding on top of sam and it's super homosexual it's like adorable. nothing says straight like teenage boys getting on each other's shoulders and running around and riding on each other's faces like yep definitely straight okay so sadly rogue is not participating in no. this round of mutant ball she is sitting on the fountain like 
alone. This scene is like dark as fuck. I also, know. I have made a note here. Rogue's eyes are no longer green. They're silver. And I don't know what they were going to do with that. I don't know if they were going to do something with it or not. I wonder if it's like something to do with her apocalypse interaction. Like she has ghost eyes now. I don't know. It's cool. Or does she does she inherit super strength this way in flight i don't know i don't know what they were going to do this is like this would be a great question for the creators if we ever had them on the show and they'll be like uh it was an animation error <laughs> it doesn't mean anything no because it stays that way so i don't know i think they just wanted her to look a little more jaded and she definitely does i mean she does but i think there was probably more to it but we'll never know possibly it looks cool in any case so logan walks up to rogue and he is like oh you're still not up to joining the others and she just shakes her head and logan tries to sort of comfort her and he's like Try not to let everything get to you. And Rogue just goes, nothing gets to me anymore, which that's... I mean, ugh. honestly, Oof. dark but fair, yeah. considering what she's been through. And Logan says to her, what Apocalypse and Mystique did to you, it wasn't your fault. And she doesn't even respond to that. Like, yeah, she- he just pauses for a second and is like, Rogue, like, did you even hear me? He doesn't say that, but that's sort of the implication. Yeah. And she just goes, I'm fine, Logan. And he like sort of gets up to walk away. And then Rogue interrupts his his leaving and is like, why does the professor have to keep Mystique around here anymore? And Logan turns around and he like comes back over to her and he's like, you don't have to worry about that anymore, Rogue. She's gone. To which Rogue suddenly looks absolutely horrified. Yeah. Like her mouth is open. Her eyes are like glistening. Yeah, she's shocked. And so then Logan goes, he tried everything to help her, but she's just solid stone now. And Rogue is like, then looks very sad. Yeah. So she's like going through the full range of emotions here. And she's like, so what did they do with her? And Logan says, gave her to the Brotherhood. Charles knew how much it affected you to have her around. Which apparently no one told Rogue this. <laughs> okay, but also like, I why did Xavier think that was a good idea? It's a terrible idea. I think all of that was awful. Like, Xavier's like, I'm just going to take rogue's mom who may or may not be dead and since i can't do anything about it i'm not gonna like investigate any more help or tell rogue that i'm giving her to like the brotherhood which is a terrible idea like it's like literally everything about it is bad everything i was like xavier that is uh, everything you just did is awful like what why (laughs) why I don't know. I also throughout this episode, I kept up being like, these children need to get out of the out of Xavier's control and get therapists because this is like so many characters in this episode are traumatized in so many ways. And Xavier is just like moving things around in the background and be like, this will help. And I'm like, Xavier, you are not a therapist. <laughs> also, Xavier's like looking for a rock with Beast and like not paying attention. And then as like an afterthought yeah, I, was like, wait a minute, how are all the 26 kids I'm supposed to take care of? Are they OK? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're just playing basketball. OK, yeah, cool. I'm going to keep ignoring them and it's like literally what is what are we doing right now like okay i mean i guess storm's been looking after them but they like wrote storm out of the episode for really no reason but we'll get to we that will later get okay to that. we will okay get so to then that. so then rogue <laughs> says good riddance to mystique being gone yes. and she gets up and walks away and logan actually looks shocked by rogue's reaction which is yeah, interesting this seems really he's, good he's this is like the moment when logan is like Rogue is really fucked up. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't like this is like way beyond my capabilities because God knows Logan's not a therapist. He's just like a big dumb goon who's adorable. And I really, I love this scene for Logan, though, because it's one of those scenes where Logan is so empathetic to other people who've been highly traumatized. And he's like, I'm here for you. Yeah, like, that's like who Logan is. And I love that about him as a as a character. But like, I think there's nothing he can do, though. Yeah. And like, I think. 
I don't think it's that Logan's looking shocked that she got up and walked away so much as that shocked that she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, she's so, I think that's what he's at. And I feel like the fact that she went through so many emotions in the span of like three seconds is concerning. I mean, I guess it's good that she's not completely dead inside, but it's also like she's having some very intense mood swings um, she is. about her mother. And that's totally valid. But it's also like, again, it's beyond Logan's capability to help. So then we go to the Brotherhood house to this like bizarre scene bizarre in terms of tone like in theory this is one of the comedy scenes that's supposed to balance out the rest of the episode but, but it's, it's also not like funny not really funny because it's really dark so yeah. <laughs> toad is <laughs> dancing around and then it's revealed that he dressed up mystique in random ass clothes and is like sort of dancing with the statue and like using his tongue to like do a tango with her and like start, sort of make her dance and then fred walks in and he's like i'm cutting in and grabs the statue and like slings it over his back and he's like i think she'd look cool strapped to the roof like a gargoyle and then toad jumps on fred's back and is like hey i reserved her for three o'clock and then pietro zips down the stairs and grabs the statue really fast and steals it away and fred and Toad are annoyed and then Pietro's like shh I, we're playing a little prank by the way Wanda walks in right here and she yes. goes this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen <laughs> it's really I funny I loved this I loved this <laughs> Wanda's like kind of back to her old self like she still doesn't have half of her brain but she's like kind of remembering who she is which was a relief to me to see Wanda like Same. talking normally in this episode um right so Pietro puts the mystique statue into a massive cabinet and then they're all hiding in the other room watching as Lance casually walks over to the cabinet, which is like a wardrobe. Like it probably has like jackets in it and stuff. And so he opens it and like the entire statue was like propped up. It like falls on top of him and like smashes onto his face, like terrifyingly. <laughs> and like everyone laughs at him except Wanda, who's like rolling her eyes. Lance creates an avalanche. And then we get like a long shot with voiceover where Fred is like, Fred, Lance, you got no sense of humor. And Toad is like, get out of the way. She owes me a tango, which is like, what the fuck? These kids are so traumatized by Mystique and they're like reacting to it with intense jokes of like, finally, we're in control over this person who abused us and insulted us and like we have this statue of her right but also like it's i don't think it's just jokes because toad's like i'm just gonna like throw her around the house i mean fred wants to put her on the roof and just use her as a gargoyle yeah like they're kind of turning her into something harmless now but also scaring each other with her like scaring lance but also like it's interesting yeah and also being like like she's just an object now yeah. is like really dark but also i feel like lance is the only one who's like stop like lance and wonder like the fuck is wrong with all of you yeah, like they are not here out. for any of this but i i feel like they're all just reacting to the traumatic situations they've been in in different ways which makes sense to me yeah. you know like it it's, does it's these kids who are living alone and they're like well this is somebody who we saw as a mom like to toad used to see her as his right. mom remember I, yeah i this is just so dark it is and then it, and then it like blips away so we could go back to like the explorers maddie yeah the explorers who are these white men just who two are in random the, white okay, guys well i you know i feel like it's crazy that there aren't any ethnic people in this country all of a sudden it's just these two white guys exploring the rainforest or whatever yeah. and like there's no 
Like, there's nobody who actually lives lives here? in this country. Yeah, and I'm I like, that is not true. Not? Like, I mean, like, ha- what? The most we get is that the Mexican government intervenes. Oh, wait, they're in, they're in Mexico. They're not in the rainforest. I don't know why I thought that. It's No, you're fine. It's 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 in South America and it's in the Yucatan Peninsula. So there's these two random white guys who are just hiking, hiking around. And then they see this huge black and purple orb that's expanding. And that's all we really see of those two guys. Presumably, they go back and they report to the Mexican government like, hey, there's a fucking orb in the woods. I don't know. It's like really strange how this scene goes down. But anyway, so now we go back to Rogue because we have to go back to some more trauma. Yeah. Because that's that that is the theme of this episode is just trauma. Yeah. That's it. I there's know. nothing else. I know. So there's a, there's this beautiful piano music while Rogue walks over to this gazebo by a cliffside by a lake. So I'm like, okay, the X mansion is basically just near whichever wilderness it needs to be near for the story. <laughs> I mean, it's always been on a lake. That has always been. Canon. But has it always been on? Oh, I guess it has always been on a cliffside because that's what they take the jet out over. Yeah. Is that huge cliffside? So, okay, that, that makes sense. I don't remember this beautiful little gazebo, but hey, it's cute. Well, the last time we saw it was in that episode when they were rebuilding the mansion and it was also being used as the entrance and exit to the mansion underground. That was a different gazebo, I think, because I don't remember that being near a lake. How many gazebos does Xavier need? He's like, I need approximately as many gazebos as I do of guns. (laughs) And all of the gazebos have secret guns underneath them or elevators to the gun lair. Anyway, Rogue is hanging out at this gazebo alone and then Kurt suddenly bamps in front of her face and is like I can't believe it the professor gave our mother to the brotherhood and Rogue is like oh my god stop popping in front of people <laughs> and Kurt that just, was so annoying and then Kurt just pops in front of her again as she tries to leave and he's like wait a minute and she's like Kurt yeah yeah and he's like it really doesn't bother you that the brotherhood boys have her and Rogue is like nope and keeps trying to walk away and Kurt keeps interrupting her and being like she belongs here with us and rogue is like no she doesn't and why the fuck do you care about this and she starts walking away and then kurt goes it made me feel better that's all and then bamps away like away away and rogue looks back at where he was and she looks kind of sorry for him yeah okay this is so fucking sad it is these two you know what i was thinking about this morning before we were recording the episode that the episode is fucking sad i was thinking that but i was also like Mystique saved Rogue for Apocalypse, but she didn't re- even remember Kurt at all. Oh, yeah. Isn't that fucked up? Oh, it is fucked up. And Kurt is the one who's trying to save her this entire time. I mean, that is very Kurt Wagner I as know. a character. It's just tragic as fuck. Like, his mother oh, abandoned yeah. him multiple times. <laughs> and he is like, well, I just need to be nice to her. And it's like, Kurt... You really don't, dude. Kurt is a character who always is willing to see the good why people are the way that they are because he thinks I think Kurt thinks that everybody is inherently good and something changes that and he wants to he wants the people he wants everyone to find the better half of themselves. That's who Kurt Wagner is and that he has great hope for people where other people have lost hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I do. Like he can he can go to people who have like been highly traumatized or doing a bunch of fucked up shit. And he's like, I don't want to give up on these people because I feel like everyone else has. Like that is who Nightcrawler is as a character. Yeah. I I just thought it was so rough in this episode in particular to be thinking about how Mystique had abandoned him and had basically been like, I don't really care if that other kid dies, but Rogue, I want to save her. Like, damn. Anyway. Well, I mean, her, her and Rogue sort of knew each other. I don't know. This this show does it kind of clunkily because, like, Rogue wasn't raised by 
mystique she was just raised by irene where in the comic books it was the two of them together yeah and like her and this cartoon wasn't raised by her at all but like i don't feel like rogue spent enough time being raised by mystique to really call her her mother so much as that she keeps on finding out all this fucked up shit that mystique is doing specifically to rogue Mm -hmm. so to her it's like she's like i have this weird mom who i didn't know was my mom and it's like she's been trying to essentially manipulate me and like doing horrible things to me for the past few years and kurt's just sitting there being like well, that is my mom, and she doesn't want anything to do with me. Like, I I like it for them, but I just sometimes I wonder how we got there on this show because it was just not enough time to like really de- let those things develop. But I believe it by the way. By the way, they're writing this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So Kurt ends up going to the Brotherhood house on his own because he's on a rescue mission for the Mystique right. statue. So he bamps in there and hides behind an armchair and sort of like listens in on the next scene that unfolds, which is Fred dragging Mystique statue back into the living room. And they're sort of mid-conversation right now. So Fred Fred is saying, there ain't no disrespect if she's just a big old hunk of stone. And then Toad is like, yeah, and I read somewhere that stone doesn't have any feelings, which is hilarious because like, Toad, did you need to read that? Like, Is that the only <laughs> thing that Toad has read in his life? <laughs> I also oh. actually don't believe him. I don't believe that he read that. I'm sorry. I don't either. And then Wanda's the one who's like, why don't you all stop being fucking morons and bring Mystique to see Agatha? Yes. Like, that is her suggestion. I loved that she had that suggestion. Right? I was like, holy shit. Like, Wanda not only remembers Agatha exists, but the show remembers Agatha exists. <laughs> and also, Agatha comes back in this episode. And this is just a yeah, great point. it was Agatha all along. It was. I love that Agatha comes back because I love her on this show. She's really cool. I mean, I love Agatha in general as a character. I do too. But, like, this particular portrayal of her i just like it i dig it there are very few like older women characters in media period and i don't know i just think she's cool so anyway wanda makes a good suggestion about agatha and like fred just ignores it entirely and he's like you know something tomorrow i say we make her into a fountain and toad is like brilliant she can scare away the crows and the garbage men which is (laughs) actually a pretty funny bit that i had to think about for a second and be like why would toad want the garbage men to be scared and then i was like oh because he eats garbage he loves flies he doesn't want the garbage to be taken away (laughs) which is probably the only joke in the episode and so i'll give it give it to toad yeah it's it's fine so Wanda follows them. Wanda follows them out early, so we think, but it turns out she hasn't quite left the room yet because Kurt walks right. over to the statue because he thinks they're gone and reaches out for it. But then this blue lightning stuff stops him and it's Wanda who's walked back in and she's like, you're in the wrong fucking house, X-Man. <laughs> and then yeah. we get a dramatic commercial break and come back and Kurt is like, wait, she's she's my mother and wanda looks really fucking sad and then just leaves the room without saying a word like letting kurt take the statue now she's traumatized about something yes right well because i think in that moment she's remembering her own memories which are wrong and i think on some level she's like knowing that they're wrong you know what i mean like she's like wait a minute parents why do i hate my parents what was the situation there? So she just yeah, like I think I really feel like that, that was gonna go somewhere. Me too. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because she has I love it when this show does stuff like this where a character just doesn't even say anything and you can just tell they're reacting. I don't know. It's interesting. Like they don't they don't feel the need to fill every moment with dialogue or like explanations. I, I like that about this show, but it's like now now Wanda's sad and leaving. Oh, I was trying to see if her 
powers were always blue in the show or if that changed after her memory got wiped but i don't i think they were both blue initially i think they're whatever color she wants because it's wanda she could literally do whatever she wants anyway so back to the sphinx um colossus is still running around in the tunnels moving boxes and he happens to run into magneto in a hallway who's like what the fuck have you been doing this whole time oh <laughs> my god by the way this scene is like Dang. i loved every second of this one scene so like yeah okay so like Colossus is stomping around and Magneto yells at him he's like you're not trying hard enough to fucking find Apocalypse and I need something by tomorrow and if you don't have that I'm ne- I'm not gonna let you see Ileana ever again he says his family but it's, it's Ileana. obviously Ileana mm-hmm. which means like Magneto has like Ileana trapped somewhere which is incredibly fucked up it is, uh, it is. she's a child yeah and then he's like if you want to see Ileana again you need to find answers and first of all I wish we got to see magic on the show but that didn't happen so then then Colossus angrily screams, your wounded pride drives you into madness. And Magneto's like, I, he's like, son, he, I don't know what he says here. Magneto screams something. He says, I will crush you like a can. Yeah, that's what he says. And then I loved this. It, I was like, wow, this is the scene where Colossus actually turns into a badass. In which he goes into his human form and he goes, <laughs> and he like runs over to Magneto, picks him up and throws Magneto across the room. And Magneto's like, oh! <laughs> and Colossus is like, let's see if you can fight like a man, you little bitch. And I was like, damn. Yeah, they're <laughs> really like, going at it. And then Gambit just walks into the room. And then Gambit literally comes in and flirts with him. Yeah. He literally walks in and he goes, hey there, muscles. He's like, hey, mon ami. Easy there, muscles. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Gambit, you li- we're not making this up. He like actually hits on Colossus here. It happens. He does. And he like gives him a little tap with his staff. He's like, Hey, now <laughs> Colossus is like, this doesn't concern you. And Gambit is like, like it or not, it concerns all of us. We got one bad mutant out there and Magneto's our best chance of bringing him down. And Colossus just like doesn't have a response to that and like kind of walks away. And also Gambit, I, I, I really didn't want to know what Gambit's play was here. Yeah. I don't know what he was trying to do, but like. I think he's just allying with the strongest guy in the room who he thinks is Magneto ultimately. And I don't think he's wrong about that, but right. yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Magneto's giving him the silent treatment. Uh, I don't know. Okay, back to another. Okay, this scene yeah. is like this next scene is like so dark again. Like I like there's this reminds me a lot of like that final season of Avatar where it was like suddenly like not a children's show anymore. <laughs> it was like, oh, now shit's real. So Rogue is walking down the hall of the X Mansion and she overhears Kurt talking to somebody in his room. Yeah. And so she kind of peeks in there and sees he stole the Mystique statue. And Kurt is asking Mystique. Well, the statue, he's going, why were you so full of anger? Right. And Rogue is like screaming instantly, like slamming the door open. Like, what the fuck? How dare you bring that shit back into this house? Like, why have you brought her here? Oh, my God. And then Kurt's like, Rogue, she can't hurt us anymore, which is, oh, my God, that line. Okay, but also Rogue says, speak for yourself. Yeah. Which I think is true. Like, Mystique is still capable of hurting Rogue because she's still traumatized and like seeing this statue is a massive trigger like constantly it is i mean but also i think kurt is traumatized too by being abandoned in a completely different way they're both traumatized and trying to navigate this yeah so he feels like he needs to have this statue around because he was abandoned and so now he can finally like have a mother who won't leave him because she's a fucking rock like that's so fucking sad yep like Oh, my God. And Kurt's like, I know you have every reason to hate her. So do I. I mean, look what she's done to us. But still, she's our mother. And Rogue 
turns around and screams, either you get her out or I will. And Kurt starts crying. Yep. And he goes, Rogue, anger and hatred destroyed her. If you don't get rid of yours, it will destroy you too. Now, Ro- then Rogue starts crying and she says, it already destroyed me. And they both, she leaves sobbing and he's left sobbing. And then... Who else is crying? But Mystique. <laughs> the statue. The statue is crying. And so Kurt is shocked staring at the statue like, holy shit. Okay, but also it took like Mystique turning into an actual statue where she couldn't say or do any... She can't say or do anything or move and be forced to listen to her children like be traumatized by the things that she has done to them. And now Mystique's actually crying. Yep. Because she's forced to deal with it. I mean, this is like the moment where she actually has to listen to them. Right. You know? Which I is... don't know. It's dark. And so then it fast fast forward to Mystique in the lab downstairs. This scene also irritated the hell out of me. With Exa- like, it's a good scene, but Xavier's fucking frustrating as hell. And Xavier, <laughs> okay, so like they have her hooked up to like this lab with a bunch of like wires and shit in her face, like, you know, in a med lab when they put all the to detect brain waves or try to. So Beast is basically trying to use a computer to detect brain patterns. Okay, but also Xavier's just st- sitting there with his fingers to his head uselessly. Yes. Like that is all he is doing. And Beast is like, I'm afraid what you thought were tears was just probably condensation. And Kurt's like, no, it was more than that. I know it. And Xavier's like, nothing has changed, Kurt. I'm still unable to sense any spark of life. And it's like, Xavier, I don't care what you think. You're not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if you're using your powers. Okay, but Kurt also makes the good point here where he's yeah, like... that's why I loved this so much. I know. So Kurt goes, what about her enhanced powers? You said that kept you from penetrating her mind. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, Xavier's like, um, I don't give a shit, so... <laughs> that basically is his line, though. He basically is like, well, even if she is in there... I don't know how to get in there, so I don't really care anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. The beast is like, uh, what Xavier is trying to say <laughs> is that it was her own morphing ability used against her, and there's nothing we could do. It's like beast quickly, yeah, like, like beast quickly trying to cover for the fact that Xavier literally just told a child, like, I don't really care anymore about saving your mother. Sorry, and yeah. then Kurt's like, I'm not giving up, and he teleports away, like sobbing. Oh, he's he's sobbing, and then Jean throws the door open. She goes, I'm also here. <laughs> Apocalypse has made his first move. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, I have a line for the first time in weeks, and it's the only line I'm gonna have in this whole episode. <laughs> She is gone after this. She is gone. Like, what the fuck? Okay, wait. <laughs> I'm looking at the dialogue I wrote down, and apparently Ryan makes a line here that says, why couldn't Xavier Beast figure out that Apocalypse had made this move, but Gene could? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So Gene is the person who's actually watching television, apparently, and Beast and Xavier weren't. I don't know. Like, Beast is, like, on the internet, and Xavier's just standing there with his fingers to set, and Gene's like, I guess I'll just go watch the actual news. Yeah, and so on the fucking news, a TV broadcast, which we see both the Brotherhood watching this and the X-Men. Um, so the broadcast says, a huge dome of energy is enveloping the oldest of the Mayan pyramids. Nothing can be seen within it and apparently nothing can penetrate it. Military units have been posted around the perimeter. Once again, two archaeologists and then it sort of like fades off. So I think the military units are from Mexico for what it's worth, but we don't get to see them and we don't really like learn what the deal is. And also why would these, why would that military allow the X-Men to show up. I, that's what I was saying before. It's like, I'm like, why are they allowed to go there? Anyway, so then they're on the fucking Blackbird and they're watching... The X-Jet, yeah. yeah. They're watching the news report and Cyclops literally has a line where he's like, shouldn't Storm and Bobby be on this mission? And Xavier just goes, no. Yeah. Xavier just goes, no, this is a fact-finding mission only. As was quite evident two weeks ago, we're no match for Apocalypse. And it's like, 
that doesn't really make any sense. Also, before they even get to that line, Beast gets on the ship and he's like, I don't know where Kurt is, by the way. And Xavier's just like, yeah, whatever. And it's like, I, I, <laughs> Xavier's, is, I mean, like, what? his children are freaking out and like being abandoned. And Xavier's like, and, like well, they're traumatized. And really he's care. like, I don't know. Xavier's awful. This and then fucking like, I love that Cyclops asks where Storm and Bobby are. And I'm like, I can't believe Xavier just didn't even give a reason. He's like, well, Storm's not capable of finding information. I'm like, wow, Xavier, you racist piece of shit. And then also, like, she's also your strongest X-Men. Like, if Apocalypse showed up, she could at least, like, whip him away in a tornado or something. Or, like, I don't whip know. whip all of you away in a tornado. Like, I don't know. Like, at least help you get out of there. I don't even know. Whatever. Xavier's awful here. Uh, and then it goes back to magneto who like creates a pile of trash and turns it into one of his spheres yep. and then he gets into it and gambit's like um what the fuck are you doing and magneto's like only one of us is queer enough for this mission and that's me you bitch and they just like leaves <laughs> that is literally what happens okay but like magneto just is like yeah none of you are actually good enough for me anymore so i'm i'm out of here and gambit's like and uh, I like how gambit was like uh really i like have been giving you blowjobs every hour on the dot for like a week now and this is how you treat me are you gonna turn to me and really say that pyro is like not strong enough or gambit who like is so powerful that he had to get nerfed by mr sinister like i don't know or colossus who like fucking whipped Magneto's ass like yesterday? Yeah, I mean, like really, Magneto couldn't even fight Colossus with. Okay, if Colossus isn't metal, Magneto can't do anything against him, and Magneto and fucking Colossus is still strong. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if there had been some metal nearby, Magneto would have been able to kick Colossus's ass. Okay, but anyway, Magneto gets into his sphere and then turns the sphere into a giant bullet. Yes, like that's a thing that happens. But before we get to that, the X jet goes over to the orb in Mexico and it lands and the x-men get out and yeah. look at it and beast is like what's the progress like a referring to like the military i think i yeah. don't know i don't know and gene's like um they don't like us that's what the information <laughs> is and i didn't mean to read their minds to figure that out because nobody likes us actually yeah <laughs> and xavier's like well let's just don't go fast then and it's like okay why are you guys even allowed to be here but whatever okay all i can think is that xavier either mind wiped everybody to let them be there or he just gave them a ton of money it was like we want to do this right now if you if I give you like billions of dollars, can we come in here for five minutes? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could be right. I don't know. So this whole scene is crazy. They're putting these little poles into the grounds because B says that they're going to shoot particle beams through it to get a reading. Yep. And so everybody puts the like kitty phases one into the ground. I like Logan who just stabs the ground with his claws and then like slams the pole and he's like snake. It's like instead of just digging a hole to put the pole into it, he just stabs the ground. Okay, I also like how Xavier's like, this is a fact-finding mission only, and our best yeah. person to do that is Wolverine. I was like, oh my god. It makes no sense. <laughs> and so um, then they shoot off the beams, and then each of the devices that's shooting the beams explodes. Like, as soon as anything interacts with Apocalypse's orb, it explodes. Anything. It's, I mean, it's some crazy-ass Stargate shit happening. And then it goes back to Kurt who is now bamfing into Wanda's bedroom. And Kurt's like, Wanda! And Wanda, like, blasts her out the window. She's like, dude, what the fuck? You can't just, like, pop in front of people like that in their bedrooms. Yeah. And Kurt's like, but Kurt then admits, he's like, yeah, I know it's annoying. I'm sorry, but I need a favor. Yeah, I thought that was really cute that he was like, I know it's annoying because it was like, Rogue just told him it was annoying and he's, like, starting to internalize that. And I don't know. He seems so pathetic that Wanda's like, okay, what? What do you need help with? Right, I know. And, like, Kurt's like, can you arrange a meeting with Agatha Harkness? And Wanda kind of looks very sympathetic because, like, obviously... 
considering what she said earlier, she's like, okay, so Kurt wants to mm-hmm. save his mom and I'm going to help him do that yeah. basically, which is, I mean, like, I feel like at this point on the show, Wanda is really clearly walking that line of like, am I going to continue being bad or am I going to be good? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, Wanda. So then we go back to Mexico again and Beast puts like these huge fucking oven mitts onto Kitty and he's like, so when you phase through the orb, these will protect your hands. And it's like, okay, it will not. It, it will won't not help at all at all. And also, why do you think this is going to work? And so Xavier hands are a huge harpoon gun that's going to like shoot a probe into it. So they're like, here, Kitty, this will protect you. Kitty sticks her hands with the probe into the thing and she is like screaming in pain. And I'm like screaming and then is like rocketed backward. And meanwhile, the probe turned into a bomb because, again, anything that touches the orb explodes instantly. And Beast has to like throw it up into the air so the explosion doesn't affect anything. I know. And then Logan like uses his body to shield Kitty from the explosion and like this weird move that I was like, I don't know why they animated this i don't and know like kitty by the way could just do that by herself but whatever i know it was stupid and then in the background scott is like do you want me to shoot the orb and xavier just screams no and i thought that was really funny <laughs> <laughs> no it's like he's looking at it and he says do you want me to shoot the orb and then literally xavier wheels into this into the frame like high speed and screams no and i was like it's funny and he it's goes funny. he's like we must avoid any act of aggression i mean like xavier what do you yeah, think you've been like doing you've this been whole shooting time it dude you've just been shooting it with like these <laughs> sensor beams but you're still shooting it like, i don't even know and then magneto in his metal bullet shows up and like flings itself into a bullet shape and plunges down on top of the orb and meanwhile there are like tv news oh helicopters like getting footage of all of this and once again anything that hits the orb explodes so magneto is safe for now but the entire bullet encasing him explodes outward into all this debris that is like raining down onto all the people outside of the orb I know, like, and it's like insane. there's exploding rocks and then instead of like learning his lesson from that magneto picks up a bunch of fucking tanks and starts like throwing them onto the orb and being like basically let me in apocalypse let me in which like Dude, why? Everything is exploding off of the orb. There's just a lot of explosions. That's a Michael Bay movie now. But I did think it was fucking badass that I don't know why he felt the need to do this other than to show off how powerful he was. Magneto pulls satellites out of the fucking sky and starts launching them, which I thought was really cool, although very unnecessary. Totally unnecessary, but it was badass. I mean, it's a fun scene to watch, even though it's destructive. Okay, but to think the idea that if like Magneto could pull a satellite out of the sky, I mean, he could pull things out of like anywhere on the planet earth and bring them to him in that moment that's pretty intense i mean he basically is and so then all the x-men are down on the ground and like cyclops and gene are trying to like protect everybody which again this is a situation where bobby and storm would have been helpful if they were there just saying (laughs) um but anyway uh xavier's a fucking idiot and he didn't bring them so magneto is like firing literal comets down onto the orb at this point like grabbing comets out of outer space and firing them oh i know and then apocalypse Floats out the orb. I fucking love this. The apocalypse does this like sweet fucking Sephiroth move here where like he comes in slowly is like, hey, bitch, like slowly is like levitating out. He's like, "Okay, you woke me up. Yep. And he just (laughs) flicks his hand forward. Like, you know, when Sephiroth does that move in Smash Brothers where he like snaps and like creates this like fucking like meteor move. He does that. Everything just blows away. Yeah. And then apocalypse like holds out his hand like. 
the fucking Sith Lord and pulls Magneto in and just like Magneto just screams and explodes into a billion pieces. And we we think he's dead. We do. I I had to Google it because I was like, wait, did Magneto just fucking die? (laughs) I mean, I knew he was coming back, but like this is like an on-screen death either way, in my opinion. It looks like it. It's definitely made to look as though he's dead. And we see Xavier going, no, like, oh, my my ex is dead. I know. Xavier is screaming no, (laughs) but like nobody even notices that because everyone's jaw is dropping to the ground. So what's actually happened here is Magneto's been teleported away to be a horseman because I think Apocalypse looked at all this and was like, all right, this dude's pretty fucking powerful. I'm not going to kill him. Like, I'm going to I'm going to grab him and enlist him. But uh, yeah, it seems like he just fucking died. It's pretty wild scene, honestly. Um, But you know what else is wild? This next final scene of the episode. Okay, this scene is some of the darkest shit I've ever seen on a cartoon, right? Like, it's good, though. I... I, I've watched this scene a lot. Just want to like want to see a good cartoon. I love this this episode for this scene. I mean, honestly, this whole episode's really good. So okay, so Kurt is like waiting on the gazebo because everybody just goes to the gazebos in Xavier's mansion, and he's got mm-hmm. Mystique, and he's got the statue of Mystique, and then Agatha Harkness walks out of the shadows, and Kurt's like, "Finally, I was afraid you wouldn't show. Can you help her?" And Agatha's like, "No." But she can and very mysteriously looks off into the woods in which Rogue is also walking to the gazebo. I don't think Rogue was like coming there because Kurt and Agatha were there. I think that's just where she's going to like fucking like brood. It seems to be her spot. I don't know because it seems like Agatha told her to come because she and Agatha seem to know each other here. That's totally probable. Uh, And then Rogue's like, what, sugar? And Kurt's (laughs) like, Rogue, why are you here? And Agatha's like, she's come to end the torment. Isn't that right, child? And Rogue says very adamantly, yes. Which, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe Agatha did go to Rogue and was like, hey, I can help you stop having PTSD from Mystique or whatever. I don't know how Agatha phrased it. I mean, it's fucking Agatha. I don't know. I think she basically was like, explain the situation to her. I don't know. This is also one of those scenes where I noticed that like Agatha's costume in this show is pretty much the exact same one she wears in WandaVision except the one of WandaVision is more sparkly I guess anyway that's as an aside she looks great she's bringing it and so Agatha explains if your mother is alive only you have the power to save her rest your hand against the stone and absorb the mutation and Kurt is like wait a second is that safe right and Agatha goes a moment is all it would take it would free Mystique enough to unlock her own powers and Rogue looks down at her hands and she's like you're serious I'm the only one that can save her And Kurt is like, Rogue, it's the right thing. You know it is. And Rogue like turns to walk away and she's like, I can't do it. Well, she's just saying I can't. She says, I won't. Like, so I think she's like, I think that's an important piece of of vocabulary there, like in terms of line delivery. Right. Like she can physically do it, but she won't do it. And so Kurt is like, Rogue, if you don't help her, this will haunt you for the rest of your life. Prove you're not like her. Right. Which I don't know. It's interesting. So then Rogue turns back to the statue and looks at it and then cocks her head. And then suddenly she just screams and pushes the statue. Like This is what I mean, though. Like the animation is really good where she like looks at it. She cocks her head. She looks at her hands. She looks down. She looks like she's thinking about it. She looks sad. Then she like looks angry and like mortified. And that's when she screams. Like there's a lot of animation in that five seconds there it is and then she pushes the statue off the gazebo onto the rocks which are far below and it shatters into a billion pieces and kurt quickly tries to phase down to like grab the statue but he's too late because he so didn't expect this to happen agatha gas kurt's screaming he teleports down just into time to see mystique's head break off 
and then start shattering yeah. to more and more pieces and there's like it's all in slow motion including him saying no he sobs he's like gathered the pieces sobbing like down on the ground right he's like he's sobbing rogue sobbing she starts sobbing and runs off to the woods and agatha also looks like she's about to like cry and like that's the end of the episode and that's the end that's the end <laughs> like that is Jesus one intense Christ. season of <laughs> like this is some of the saddest shit i have ever seen so basically they confirm that mystique is alive and can hear them so this is a murder it is i mean i'm not saying it's not justified but it's it's a murder yeah rogue just (laughs) fucking killed the shit out of mystique that's what happened and mystique was completely defenseless right like this was like premeditated murder that just happened here that a child did well i mean like rogue is so traumatized that's what i mean though it's like rogue is so traumatized that like she was basically like if i was given i i don't think i could kill i wouldn't i would i would not kill somebody who abused me like i feel like karma would take care of that but rogue says she's a child like she's like 16 she doesn't know how to deal with that and like her tormentor is there and defenseless and they're like can you can you save the person who abused you for years? And it's like, can you? I don't know. I don't think I would be able to either. This is but- like such a question. I like how I already opened it with that. Be like, would I be able to kill the person that abused me like twenty years ago? And like, that's like a whole philosophical question that I can't even answer. It's actually like legitimately interesting because it is. It's sort of about the idea of closure, right? Right. Because it's like the only person who can save quote unquote Mystique is Rogue in the sense that she can bring her back to life. Right. But. Bringing Mystique back to life is wildly dangerous. Like, even if Rogue saves her mother, that doesn't mean Mystique is going to suddenly change as a person. And we've seen that so many times. Like, Mystique, I don't know if she can change. She's been abused as well. She's so traumatized as a person that she is also living a life of torment that she takes out on others. And I don't know. It's just like, I I understand why Rogue wouldn't want to save her, but it's also like, damn, you're going to go with murder. I I mean, yeah, I would, I would not. But on the other hand though, just allowing your abuser to exist alive, but trapped in stone for the rest of their life forever, basically that's also torturing them. Okay. But like, also we need to like compare it to the fact that the brotherhood were also essentially doing the same thing where they were like, okay, my, our tormentor is now a stone, so we're not going to kill her, but we're going to fucking hara- like treat her like shit. Yeah, although I don't think they thought she was alive, though. I mean, we don't really know what they thought or if they cared. I mean, they're kids, too. So it's kind of like, what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like Wanda seemed to think that she could be saved. Yeah, I think Wanda could probably like tell i also feel like wanda probably could have used her powers to save mystique well but like yeah but wanda's powers have been like nerfed by magneto and mastermind yeah i know i'm I'm not saying wanda like chose not to i'm just like it's probably not entirely up to rogue it's just that it doesn't really matter because as far as this show is concerned it's entirely up to rogue and exactly i think killing mystique is more humane than forcing her to live a life of stone forever and rogue didn't want to bring her back to life so she basically was like Either I bring her back to life or I just kill her now. Those are my only options, you know? And she went with the latter and I kind of get it. Honestly, I do. I I kind of get it. It's just like a really intense scene where she is faced with her abuser and like she gets to decide her abuser's fate, which is a thing that doesn't happen very frequently in real life. No. And like, no. How would a person respond to that? Especially somebody who has not been through therapy and whose exposure to therapy has been like fucking Charles Xavier, who is like the worst therapist and doctor on the planet. Yeah. I mean, where's Emma Frost? I don't know. Emma could at least like 
deal some decent amount of therapy here i don't well, know Well, she's not on this show and like the closest we get in terms of that character is agatha who's one of my favorite characters on the show because she's one of the only characters who sort of treats these kids with respect and treats them like adults who are capable of making decisions yeah agatha probably could have stopped this with magic but didn't like she just kind of was like okay like this is the choice rogue is making right. i don't know i think she really respects these kids in a base level that i think is neat to just like have this adult character who isn't fucking with them that is i mean now that you pointed out it's like it, that's essentially what happens in wandavision right like at there's a point in the final episode where she frees all the people's minds from wanda mm-hmm. and then she's like okay wanda what are you gonna do now that they're here facing you and telling you what you're doing to them and wanda's like i don't know what to do and like Agatha's like, hmm, you have to make the decision, not me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's a little more evil on that show than here. Here, she's quite compassionate. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to give this episode a five out of five. I really liked it. I thought it was a great episode. I mean, I knew it was going to be five out of five for me before we watched the episode, because, I mean, I've seen this episode several times. It's one of those episodes that I come back to, not quite as frequently as the Boom Boom episode or the Bayville Sirens one, because those are kind of fun in a way. Like, this is not an episode you want to watch if you're like... I want to have fun. This is an episode I've gone to when I've like been in sort of a dark headspace and I need to watch something emotional to sort of deal with that. And this mm-hmm. is one of them. Uh, I like how I go back to cartoons when I have like emotional trauma going on. I'm like, I just need to watch Steven Universe and cry. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of get it, though. This is this is an episode that is about confronting your past and destroying it in a very literal way. But it's- I know. And also like the two like we have two different perspectives on mystique and her children and how she's traumatized both of them in completely different ways like she and her her whole arc on this show has been i mean there's been a couple though but one of them has been that she wants to be a mother to her children and has decided that she can't and that she doesn't deserve that and also that if she is allowed to raise children she has to protect them by hardening them up because she just assumes the world is going to try and fucking hurt them like that is Mm -hmm. sad that is some sad shit right there yeah i know and also now mystique isn't on this show anymore because she is dead for now oh really she becomes one of the horsemen oh i forgot i didn't remember that like any i mean we're gonna see we're gonna see like storm and xavier die also in this season and then like the big reveals that they were being resurrected by apocalypse but i think they do die i think they essentially die and then apocalypse brings them back to life got it okay well that's sad for rogue (laughs) (laughs) well we don't we don't really get to see how that was going to play out entirely because it gets wrapped up really quickly in two episodes at the end of the season and again so many questions for the creators of the show and if the creators of this show or somebody who worked on the production team like is listening to it like please shoot us an email at the gmail.com because i would love to hear where this was going mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i like i we're, we're talking a lot about kurt night uh, kurt and nightcrawler you know kurt slash nightcrawler mm-hmm. um but also we're talking about him and rogan mystique a lot on this episode because like that is the main theme is them dealing with their trauma and they kind of juxtapose this with like the apocalypse shit because they're like oh we kind of have to put another story in here and we've talked about like how the traumatization of mystique and the brotherhood ran over but i do want to point out that I enjoyed Apocalypse in this episode. Me too. He's barely in it, but I, I didn't think he was interesting. Yeah, but like this version of Apocalypse is like this sort of like sexy Sephiroth character. And I was like, oh, okay. I get why people liked him in this now. Yeah, I think I'm starting to get it too. And I'm, I'm also intrigued. I mean, it's too bad we're going to have so few episodes to ever hear what his motivation even was. But if his motivation is to turn everyone into mutants, I'm kind of here for it, honestly. Like, right. I feel like he's 
he's interesting. I mean, there's certainly some problems with that tactic, but it's worth hearing him out. I would hear him out. I agree. I agree. And also, he's apparently going to bring Magneto and Mystique back to life and then recruit them, which, hey, you could do worse as far as people to recruit. I mean, I actually find the horsemen that they chose for this series to be pretty interesting. It kind of is... I feel like X-Men Apocalypse, the movie, looked at this episode in terms of like who they were even make the horsemen in their movie. Mm-hmm. Because like Magneto is one of both of those and I, that's like not a thing that really has ever happened in the comic book so right but he's so powerful that it really makes sense i mean it does it does so should we talk about who's gay yeah the Gambit's gay. Um, I feel like Gambit and Magneto are sleeping together. And then that's why Gambit is the one who's so taken aback when Magneto is like, bye, I'm leaving by myself now. I don't give a and shit Gambit's about like, any of you. Uh, but I swallowed a lot of your cum. So <laughs> <laughs> Gambit's like, I've really been putting the effort in to suck up to you and suck you. So why are you screwing me over now? I know Magneto's like, bye, bitch. I Magneto. Okay. Magneto is also really gay at this because he like, is. and so is Apocalypse with his like very flamboyant little finger wags at Magneto. And well, like, I'm telling you, Apocalypse is like gay in the same way that Sephiroth is quote unquote gay, where he's just like this beautiful Bashonan. Okay, what do you mean quote unquote? Okay, I, 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 Sephiroth <laughs> is only gay for Cloud. That's it. Um, They're married. <laughs> they are. I, I mean, I was, I didn't know how else to follow that up with other than Sephiroth's kind of hot, but. Yeah, they get the award. Also, there's that moment between Sam and Bobby that is pretty gay. Yes, which is like one second long. But hey, I'm glad that Bobby is just getting it on with Sam because apparently he doesn't get to go on any missions anymore because like no one respects him. So that's fine. Oh, yeah, Or Storm, apparently. They're just not respected at all. I don't know. I know. I feel like they didn't even need to give us that line. Like, don't bring up the fact that you're not bringing Storm and Bobby and I won't think about it. But if you bring it up, I'm going to spend the rest of the episode being pissed off that they weren't there. Like, why'd you do that? (laughs) I don't know. Toad and Fred are still dating. I just enjoy them. Well, I mean, we're talking from a fan fiction perspective, but like in terms of like queer theming in this, I don't really know if there is anything specific to that uh because it's it's more focused on trauma and abuse but even with apocalypse this shit i'm like "Mm, it's kind of gay but like i don't see any queer metaphors happening here Mm -hmm. other than like apocalypse being like everyone is gay and (laughs) i'm gonna show them that and magneto's like no i'm gonna show everyone that i'm the best gay like i don't know (laughs) yeah i am curious about that like i i know that apocalypse doesn't really talk on this show so i don't know if he's ever going to say what his motivation is so we may not actually get that kind of delivery but for the moment all we have is like this silent showboat guy who's just floating around like i'm not gonna say anything but you guys are ridiculous and yeah that's interesting to me more so than the monologuing apocalypse from animated series so yeah i'll take it oh yeah i will take it me too well that's it, everyone. That's it. I don't think there's going to be any character highlights in season four. Oh, well, it's so short. We, I think we have one, maybe. Maybe. We're in the plug section. So next week. Pluggy. I'm. 
I'm not sure when the Reader Mail episode special that we're going to do, the Mutant Ages, the comic book special, is going to run because it's sort of dependent on Ryan's schedule and everybody else's schedule, but it will come eventually. Um, it's going to be within the next week or two for sure. It's yeah, just like so very we'll, dependent on how things go this week for me. So basically, the next episode might be episode two of X-Men Evolution season four, or it might be Mutant Vision Either way, you could watch the next episode if you'd like to. That'll be that'll be our next episode after that. And we're weekly now, so you won't have that long to wait. You won't so miss there a you thing. go. Um, I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> um, anyway, MutantAges.com. <laughs> it's just like, I'm not <laughs> ignoring, listening to this. <laughs> ignoring the little middle school dance that's happening in Ryan's apartment right now. Uh, so at MutantAges.com, you have so many ways that you can find us. So many ways. Uh, you have... Our email address, themutantages at gmail.com. You've got a link to our Discord server where you can ask us questions for listener mail, episodes of the show, and also just hang out with other other mutants, chill. And we've got a voicemail inbox, which is 1508-319-1668. And last but certainly not least, we have a P.O. box where you can mail us stuff. P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760. Please send us mail. We love mail. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> we can't get through an episode we can't doing we that. can't it's um, like really kind of ridiculous uh no it's perfect we're doing everything okay. right uh and so when we get mail we open it on our youtube channel we do that's unboxings true. that's uh, true and we have a couple of the waiting here which we'll do soon oh cool cool i didn't even know that that's exciting well so on the youtube channel at the mutant ages uh, you can come and watch us play through every X-Men game. I mean, at least that's the goal. We've been kind of on break for it for almost a year, but we're going to get back to we it. We are. We're going to figure it out along with sticking with weekly. Right. We're, we're just working on our schedules every single day. That's right. Uh, we also do a monthly live stream there where we're reading old unproduced screenplays. We do it with Todd, Katie, and the other Rye, although I don't believe there's going to be one this month because we're doing the Mutant Ages Vision. Yeah. We're doing... That's that's our big, like, cross-person special. Uh, but we yeah, will, we, we can only we afford to do one know. of those a month. <laughs> we will <laughs> let you know when we do another unproduced screenplay, but if you want to go back and listen slash watch our facial expressions while we read um, Wolverine, Wolverine and the, the X-Men, X-Men, an absolutely terrible live-action movie screenplay from the early 90s 94 was that it something like that yeah it's i think it was like 94 yeah it's really awful awful but we had a wonderful time making fun of it and it's it's a great watch and it is really good we've got our holiday special on there so definitely check that out there's all sorts of fun things in there sometimes i match up the cartoons with episodes from this podcast right here and also Maddie and I will make other parodies. I was just watching Snackspin the other day, which was Maddie and I dressed as Jean Grey and Cyclops trying to bake X-Men cookies. We released it a couple years ago. It's so good, though. I forgot to promote it this Christmas season. I just totally, like, didn't even think about it because I was so focused on the holiday special. Yeah. It is really funny, and I recommend watching it. Well, we always have a lot to plan for the holiday special, which those are just a delight to do. Um, So our, our YouTube channel, really, really, really fun. Um, Great stuff. So also... We are on social media. The Mutant Ages is on every social media platform you can imagine. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, TikTok. We've got all of them. You can follow us wherever you want to follow us. And we hope that you do. Uh, we're also individually on a lot of those platforms. I'm at Mitty Myers on pretty much all of those if you want to follow me. How about you? I'm at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and Ryan.Pagella and Instagram. So don't be confused with the other Ryan Pagel on Instagram, which I think is also my account, but I forgot how to log into it initially, <laughs> like years and years, years ago. So now it's just Ryan.Pagella. 
Great. Uh, welcome. Love that for you. Love that. Thank you. Um, My journey is great. Cool. Uh, and we have some ways that you can uh, support the show financially if you're capable of doing that. We have a store where you can buy uh, T-shirts and mugs and all kinds of stuff with either our beautiful logo, newly on Apple Podcasts logo on it, or uh, Bishop saying that time travel is real while jumping out of the bushes, uh, drawn by the one and only Maddie Alterio. We may, I was going to say we may be having a new piece of artwork being produced in the next couple of months. So. Oh, we hope so. We hope so. Um, we will definitely let you know if we add something else to the store, of course, ASAP. Uh, but we also have a Patreon where you can get regular updates from us behind a little paywall, just a little bit of a paywall. And um, I know this month, because we're about to record it, we're going to bring Todd on to talk about Hawkeye with us. Every single episode of Hawkeye, the three of us are about to record that episode. That's the kind of thing you would want to pay a few bucks a month to get, right? Like, come on, you just listened to the Wolverine episode. You know he's funny, guys. You probably want to hear us talk about Hawkeye. You probably do. And hear us talk about so many, there's so many archives in there. It's like us talking about Birds of Prey, us talking about Into the Spider-Verse, us talking about Captain Marvel, Deadpool 2. Like, At some point we'll be talking about the new Spider-Man movie and Shang-Chi, which is now on me. This is kind of wait, funny. Wait, have you still not seen Shang-Chi? No, which is what really funny because what? this, this is like, like this... when it came out. <laughs> because uh, this is like when Black Widow came out and I saw that and I was like, Maddie, we need to record an episode of Black Widow and six months went by and then you finally saw Black Widow. Now it's the reverse situation. Okay, part of that was my fault where I watched Black Widow and then I forgot to tell you that for three weeks and then I was like, oh, sorry, I watched Black Widow and you were like, oh my God, Maddie. Okay. And then we recorded that. Well, no, I still have, I still have not watched Shang-Chi because it came out while I was traveling in Florida this past year and then it's been like holiday season for two months so i have not had time to consume anything you should watch it it's i want to watch it maybe okay but also like a thousand things came out in the past month they were like by the way here comes resident evil the movie and cowboy bebop oh and here's the matrix oh uh, the matrix is here oh now cobra kai is out also and we're gonna Spider-Man. release like 10 games you want i was like yeah i don't even have time to consume and somehow i've the only things i have not finished is cowboy bebop and i haven't seen um Fuck, I haven't played the new Pokemon game, but I, I've done everything else. Although now Boba Fett's out and I have to catch up in that. So thank you, <laughs> Disney, for just like mass sh- producing everything to the speed that I could not keep up with this holiday season. I hear season. you. I hear you. <laughs> I haven't seen Boba Fett yet either. But anyway, please come by our Patreon. Support us. Obviously, we're we're back to weekly again. We're pumping out the content for you. We love you. And we're just trying to keep up with all of the stuff that Disney is doing with our favorite property. We are. We are. And also, we get to shout out to the top tier supporters yes, of our Patreon. Of course. Which includes Samuel B, So Mean, Soren B, and Zach S. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and of course, if you if you can't afford to support the show, we completely understand that. But we do hope that you will leave us a rating. Uh, and share the show with your friends on your personal social media. You could even subscribe on Spotify and listen to us you there. Can. So you exciting. Can. You can you can listen anywhere you want. And uh, that is it. We've got a Hawkeye bonus episode to go record. Um, so we're going to go do that. Yeah, uh, we'll see Todd's you waiting time. patiently in Slack messaging us going, I think you're recording right now, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs>